You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is December 21st, a Thursday. We're now just four days away from Christmas, which means we're four days away from watching the 49ers and the Ravens play against each other. I'm so excited. Joining me to talk about one of those teams, our team, the 49ers, uh, is Rob Stascarera. How you doing today, Rob? Steph, what is up? I'm I'm doing all right. As I mentioned before to you, I was having some internet issues. Um, you know, Xfinity is on my shit list right now. So as I mentioned, if I have any issues, you're going to hold down the fort until I can get to a hot spot. But hopefully, you know, they don't cut us off while I do the first segment of the show, our favorite this week in 49ers history. This one is a good one. December 17th, 2000. Wide receiver Jerry Rice plays his final game as a member of the San Francisco 49ers at home in Candlestick against the Chicago Bears. Rice catching passes from then 49ers quarterback Jeff Garcia had seven catches for 76 yards in that game. Um, but in a bit of a passing of the torch moment, mm-hmm. Terrell Owens had 20 catches, 283 yards, and a touchdown in that game. Uh, talking Talk about, like, you know, stealing someone's thunder. Uh, and then 20 catches stood as an NFL single-game reception record up until uh, 2009. I believe it was Brandon Marshall, uh, who then had 21 in a game. It's still a franchise record, though. Um, and so Rice was with the team for 16 years uh, since 1985, as we know, and often try to forget he went on to play for two other teams after that, the Oakland Raiders and Seattle Seahawks. He literally couldn't have picked two worst teams. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Rob, do you remember this game and, and how'd you feel about this bittersweet moment, well, really just bitter, of, of Jerry Rice, you know, playing his final game as a member of the 49ers. Well, first of all, thank you for picking a 49ers week in history that I was actually, you know, old enough to remember, unlike last week when you picked one from when I was two years old or whatever it was. Yes, I remember this game. I was 15 in the year 2000, so I definitely remember it. And word on the street was that Jerry was not too happy afterwards that T.O. got all those catches in his last home game. But it absolutely was a passing of the torch, although I was totally wrong because at the time I was like, well, that's going to be it for Jerry. And he would go on to play 65 more games, have almost 3,700 more receiving yards and catch 21 more touchdowns in the regular season. So Jerry was far from finished at this point, even though 15 year old me at the time thought that was it. Yeah. And I mean, just a a storied career as mentioned in Man, I feel like he, yeah, he probably could have played some more years, but, you know, Terrell Owens was on a tear, I guess, at that that point. So the writing was on the wall. And you can see in this image here, all-time NFL leaders in receptions, Jerry Rice, 1,268 at the the time. Is he still a reception leader? Jerry? Yeah. Yeah, by a zillion. Well, I I don't know because he's you know now he it's at that point where some of his records are being you know touched or getting close to, um you know Christian McCaffrey's close to one of them right so there's uh, nobody within a hundred catches of him, ever. (laughs) 
Larry Fitzgerald is two. Jerry's at 1549. Larry Fitzgerald is at 1432. There's no active player. The, the closest active player is DeAndre Hopkins, who's 23rd all time. DeAndre Hopkins has 912 catches. So Jerry Rice has basically 600 more catches than the next closest active player. And if you're wondering, like, gee, how much is 600 catches? Rob Gronkowski has 621 in his career. So he's basically a Gronk ahead of the next closest that's active crazy. player. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, you know, Jerry played for a really long time, so it, it makes sense. And not only that, but he was dominant in, you know, almost all of the years that he played. So, uh, yeah, he, he deserves to keep that one. I, I know he, he probably – he said he doesn't mind Christian McCaffrey getting that record of, of over 20 touchdowns, but in his heart, I know, he's like, oh, man, I, I hate it. <laughs> he wants that, to keep all of his records. Yeah, first of all, like I get sensitive because people are now starting to say that Jerry Rice wasn't the greatest receiver of all time. And it drives me absolutely bananas because I saw the man play and it's not even close. Um, That year by Jerry in 1987, he had 23 touchdowns in 12 games and it was the strike year. So they didn't it was only a 12 game season. Can you imagine what he would have put up if he had a quarter more of 25% more season? Like that's such an absurd number. And Randy Moss got all this credit when he broke Jerry's record. It's like, well, first of all, Jerry still had the same number of touchdowns as Randy. Plus Randy had four more games. Like, what are we doing? Right. Yeah, I know. It's crazy that even in someone beating his record, we could still look at Jerry's and say, well, he did it in 12. So it was even more impressive. Um, so yeah, uh, a great this week in 49ers history. Glad we, we talked about that one. Scott says, why is Steph rocking a hat today? Her hair is always on point. Well, you know, it, well, well now I have cat hair, but you know, I just needed to wash my hair and you know, I don't want you guys to see that. Don't so. deny us, Steph. I don't like it. I agree with Scott. <laughs> well, it, it's just, it's just for today. All right. Tomorrow I'll, I'll the hair will be back. Good. Um, Shout out Tyler uh, for the super chat. He says, Robin Steph, speaking of Ravens, CB Marlon Humphrey said that he does not respect everybody on our roster. Yeah, I actually, while, while we're just on the topic, I was going to speak on this uh, in this show today, but I'll just address it here now. There is uh, some misinformation going around uh, on this here video a clip circulating of Marlon Humphrey on a podcast saying that he doesn't respect um, the 49ers, any member of the 49ers. It's a small clip. For those that checked out the entire podcast or anywhere around that clip, you would know that he was being sarcastic and he did go on to say great things about the 49ers. So a lot of people are sharing that clip, using it for engagement. They're getting the clicks, all of that. But I think it's important that we know the context. Marlon Humphrey was not disrespecting the 49ers. He was just joking. Yes. I know there's a lot of people doing stuff just for clicks. Some of them are 49ers beat writers. But in this case, if you watch the actual clip and, and go to, you can go on YouTube and look it up. That's the first thing I did when I saw it. You can click the little time code. It'll take you right to that point. He's not, he's not trash talking to the 49ers. He's just not. He literally goes on to list all the great players. He's like, wait, they have Tebow and Kittle and McCaffrey. He goes, damn. Like, so it's the complete opposite of that. So just slow down everybody. 
They're not disrespecting the 49ers. Let's we can be adults here. And while we're on the topic, again, I was going to save this for the end of the show, but we're already here, so we might as well just talk about it. You mentioned, you know, 49ers beat writers talking about, uh, you know, some misinformation as well. And I just going to say, if you see any posts about Brock Purdy having a better 10-yard split than Lamar Jackson, please be advised that Lamar Jackson never tested in the combine, in his Pro Bowl, never ran an official 40 or has an official number for a 10-yard split. So if you see anyone mentioning a time for Lamar Jackson's 10-yard split. They likely got it from Google or Reddit, which aren't always reliable sources. I don't know why I have to, you know, <laughs> say that, but it, you know, it, need, it needed to be said and, you know, people needed to be reminded of that. It needs to be said, because if you're not going to do it, I will, because David Lombardi stole a post from Reddit with a picture of uh what was it brock purdy's um what do they call that there the little uh the spider chart spider chart yes and comparing it to lamar jackson and oh it's this 10 yard split time and it's going to be immortalized which is literally one of the comments from the reddit post so lombardi stole all this information which wasn't even accurate and tweeted it out as his own and then when he got called out on it just deleted the post without saying anything. It's trying to run away and hide from the fact that he plagiarized number one, somebody else's thoughts. Number two, it wasn't even friggin' accurate. That's Mr. Facts over feelings guy, right? Facts over feelings, except when I need to make up my own facts and steal somebody else's. That's pathetic, man. That is brutal. Um, and you know, I think that Brock having the 10 yard split that he has is impressive in its own right. Uh, that, you know, it. I didn't even think it was necessary to pin it against another quarterback in the league. So look, it, it just took away from the fact that, hey, you know, Brock is impressive. He he has a impressive 10-yard split. Everyone instead uh, got hung up on the fact that, you know, Lamar Jackson doesn't actually have a 10-yard split. Uh, so, yeah, thought I would, I guess we'd start the show on that, the misinformation clarification of both of those things circulating. So wanted to make sure that we we touched on that. But, Rob, um, we got some things to talk about of this current day 49ers team and I mean, we got to talk about these injuries, man, because there's a lot of them. I know for uh, well, let's start with the good news, right? Spencer Burford is expected back at practice this week. Ross Dwelly, Oren Burks, Elijah Mitchell, Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, all kind of on the same boat, according to Shanahan, and they'll need to be monitored throughout this week. But at least as of Monday, uh, December 18th, when Kyle Shanahan last spoke uh, with the media, it feels like those players could have a chance to play um, on Christmas Day. The bad news is that they, there's more injuries after Sunday's game against the Arizona Cardinals. D'Amador Lenore and Clinton Farrell are both day-to-day. Lenore dealing with bruised ribs and Farrell with an ankle injury. Jawan Jennings, who has been awesome uh, as a run blocker, He's in concussion protocol. The silver lining is that the 49ers play on Monday. So the extra day of rest could benefit everyone. These guys listed here and the guys I mentioned earlier, Armstead, 
Hargrave. Um, but it won't help Clea Davis, who was placed on injured reserve this week with a high ankle sprain he suffered Sunday. So suddenly, a defense who was already hurting at the interior defensive line is hurting even more. And, hey, I, I've been a fan of J- Javon Kinlaw's work this season, but I'm I'm also getting worried about his growing snaps, right? 100%. I think the reason he's been able to stay on the field as much as he has this year is because he's had a smaller role than in the past. Cluster injuries can kill you. And look, now the 49ers defensive tackles are Javon Kinlaw, Kevin Givens, T.Y. McGill, Spencer Raggy or Raggy. I'm not sure how you say his name, but that's the point is that that's how far on the depth chart we are down. Um, I know that I think it was Eric Branch said it, that if Hargrave and Armstead can't go on Monday, the Niners will probably add somebody a free agent. I know people have been talking about Indomitian Sue. He was visiting with the Dolphins this week. Uh, and honestly, like, I don't, I don't know how much Indomitian Sue has left. It, chances are he's more likely to get a bad penalty than he is to make a tackle for loss. Let's just be real. But the Niners have a problem because, and this is exactly the, the team you don't want to face when you have cluster injuries exactly. on your defensive line because they're the number one rushing team in the league. So it is definitely a vulnerability for the Niners defense. Yeah, well, the 49ers, because they had to place Kalia Davis on injured reserve, now they have a sp- an open spot on their 53-man roster. They did work out a number of defensive linemen. Uh, shout out to Rohan um, earlier, who commented that the 49ers just signed DT Taylor Stallworth as one of the players they worked out yesterday. Oh, um, so he's former Titans player, um, and that news literally just broke before we went live. So, um, Not a good sign for Armstead and Hargrave. Well, I mean, they haven't practiced yet today. So, at I mean, at the, at the very worst, it's just another guy to have. He's signed to the practice squad, so someone they can elevate just in case, um, you know, either one of those two guys can't go. But regardless, Rob, like, you just lost Kalia Davis, who was active on game days. So even if those guys are available, like, you're going to need someone else to to bring up. Not ideal. But the good news for the 49ers is because of the Eagles loss, that Eagles loss was so huge because it has taken a lot of the pressure and the significance from a, from a playoff standpoint off of this game. Because all the 49ers have to do is win two out of their last three and they're the number one seed. Period. End of story. So, yes, of course, they'd like the 49ers to play well and win all their games and all that stuff. But if they can't beat the Ravens on Monday, that is A-OK. Everything they want will still be ahead of them. They'll still be able to get the number one seed. They've already locked up the division, obviously. So that Eagles loss was massive for the 49ers. Yeah, it's huge. The 49ers just need to win two of their next three games. I still would prefer if the two that they win is this one against the Ravens and this uh, the next one against the Washington Commanders. Because, and I've, I've said this throughout the week, and I'll say it again, probably sound like a broken record, but I I don't want to be facing the Rams in a must-win game the final week of the season. I, I really don't. They they are surging right now. I It's a division game. I know the 49ers have dominated them, but I also feel like anything can happen. So that's just, if you can control your destiny, you win these next two games and, you know, you you set and forget for that last game. 
Yes. And I have said that the Rams are the team in the NFC that actually worries me more than any other, to be honest with you. The Eagles look like they're in shambles right now. So I'm not really worried about them. The Cowboys game will be tough, but I just think that the 49ers have better players than the Cowboys. That Rams game, divisional game against the coach that knows you really well, against the best quarterback. I got to be honest, Stafford's better than Dak. He's better than Jalen Hurts by a lot. He's really freaking good. So I would prefer if the Rams were not involved in the playoffs in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And like you said, I definitely don't want to go into week 17 where, ugh, we're facing them with their playoff lives on the line and the number one seed on the line. Exactly. Yeah, so I, I keep saying it. It's not a must-win game this week or on Monday, but it is. Like It, it kind of really is. So, yeah, I, I hope they take care of business. But back to the injuries, like, you know, we we talked about a couple weeks ago, Nadama Kungsu, and I think it even makes more sense for them now with all of these injuries. Um, earlier in the week, like Kyle was asked about it, on Monday, because of course that's when we heard about Kalia Davis's injury and, you know, Kyle Shanahan was non-committal. He said, you know, they're talking about it, but also they're not exactly sure when Hargrave and Armstead are coming back, you know, pointed out that they do have chances this week. So it kind of feels like they're going to take a wait and see approach on those guys before making any, you know, big decisions on signing, a big free agent like Sue or, you know, someone else. I don't, you've already got Dre Greenlaw, right? And we love Dre. He's amazing, but he tends to get some penalties a little bit at certain times. He's a little, he can cross the line at certain times. Do we want to add another one of those guys on the team? And Indomitian Sue, like, do you trust Indomitian Sue in a big moment, in a big playoff game to keep his head? I don't. And sometimes the, those penalties, that can be the difference in close games. I don't know that his, it's one thing when he was all pro in Dominican Sue, right? And then you're like, hey, you know what? Maybe we put up with that a little bit because he's going to do more good than harm. But now, and Dominican Sue at what, what is he, 38, 39 years old, whatever it is. I don't know that that's the case. And that does kind of scare me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely fair. He's 36 years old. I mean, and we know his best days are behind him. He played with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles last year. Even with them, he he didn't do too much. Uh, So, it yeah, it it is a bit of a a risk, I guess you can say, as far as the the reward. You got to weigh that, right? Like, well how much reward are you really getting? Yes. You're hurting at defensive tackle, but is he going to be at risk of getting, you know, some penalties in some bad moments while, you know, you're trying to get to the playoffs or get to the Super Bowl, Right. Uh, That, that would be the concern. So I kind of feel like that's what they're weighing more than anything. Uh, Obviously they know they have a need at defensive tackle. That's why they went out and signed someone, uh, you know, earlier this morning, but you know, the 49ers aren't the only teams that are interested in Sue of uh, the dolphins also had him in for a visit as uh, Ian Rappaport tweeted here. Nothing is imminent there, but you know, still, I, I kind of want to throw in another name out there that Wilkes also has a connection to a uh, former uh, Washington commander and former Panthers, Matt Iodinus, uh, who played one season with the Panthers in 2022. 
he isn't like a world beater or anything, but he's 29 going on 30 compared to Sue, who's 36, like I mentioned. And he'd probably be cheaper, honestly. So, like, he's still a free agent. So if the 49ers feel like, you know, they want to get someone else and they're not too sure about Armstead and Hargrave, even still, like, I think going into this last stretch, it's important to have some depth. And and they've kind of lost some of it, um, you know, with Kalia Davis going on IR. So, I don't know. I feel like that'd be a one move to consider and one that Wilkes does have a connection to. But at the same time, I'm like, if Wilkes did like him, he'd probably already be on the team. It's it's some capacity practice squad. I don't know. You're not going to sign a world beater on December 21st, right? (laughs) You're not signing a a two time all pro or a five time pro bowler like that is still performing at that level. That's just if they if there were those guys were out there, they'd be on a team somewhere. So it's going to be names like this, like a Taylor Stallworth, who we talked about. And we have Taylor Stallworth could be better than Ndamukong Sue at this point. We don't know. We just know the name Ndamukong Sue. So you got to take what you can get. You need bodies and you got to hope that the rest of the 49ers defense can pick it up around them. That Bosa and Chase Young and Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner, you're going to need those guys to pick up more of the load and, and shout out to the secondary because they appear at least right now in a, in a place where they can help Maybe give the pass rush some coverage sacks a little bit. Maybe that's something you're going to have to lean on a little bit more. Now, I know Lenore is banged up, and that's not ideal. But, yeah, you're going to have to pick it up, the other parts of the team. That's just sort of how it works at this time of year. It's true. I'm a little, I don't want to say concerned, because, yeah, I I do think the secondary has stepped their game up uh, in, in lieu of all these injuries. But I feel like the the defense is kind of losing a step, and it could be because of the injuries. It could be because they're getting tired again. I don't know. They're dealing with missed tackles. That's something you can't really afford uh, to be dealing with when you're about to face Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And you look at – so this chart I have up here is entering week 16 – the NFL defenses, you see where the Browns are, obviously the best in the league as far as EPA allowed and its success rate. And you see where the Ravens are. So the Ravens also in a better spot than the 49ers defense um, going into this week 16 game, not by too much, but you know, it's, it's something to, to look at in this one uh, where we're talking about two of the best teams in the NFL, two of the one of the best defenses in the NFL, right? And one of the best offenses, both of these teams as well. So, yeah, I, you know, obviously the defense is going to need to bring it. You're going to need all those guys to step up in, in some way, shape, or form. It would help if you have Armstead and Hargrave there. I'm going to feel a lot better with those guys there. Lenore as well could be a completely different game with those guys out there. So, oh, yeah. I mean, we'll know more uh, later this afternoon, Thursday, right? You know, it's it's early right now as we record this. So later this afternoon, we'll hear about who's practicing, who isn't. That'll give us a little more clarity on who has better chances of suiting up uh, come Monday. And I think this is the comforting thought for me, is the 49ers offense is in a position where they – don't need to have the number one defense in the league out on the field. The offense is in a position where, hey, you know what? If we got to score 30 or 35, we can do it. Hop on our backs. And God knows the defense has carried this team a lot in this this Shanahan run 
that they have been on. I mean, my God, the Packers game in 2021, the, the Diners didn't score an offensive touchdown in the game. So I think the offense is due to carry the defense a little bit, and it may be that kind of game. And that's why it's so reassuring to have Kyle Shanahan as your play caller and your game planner, because the best part about Kyle is he doesn't need your defense to break down to make big plays. He doesn't need you to make mistakes. He needs you to play your defense exactly the way you've been taught to play it. And he's going to break your rules. He's going to exploit things when you do nothing wrong, according to your defense. That means you should be able to move the ball and hopefully score against anybody. And yeah, maybe you need that this week. Yeah, the 49ers are on a six-game win streak right now. As we know, the Ravens are on a streak of their own four games. Two really hot teams coming into it. Both high-scoring offenses, like I mentioned, the 49ers averaging 30.4 points per game. That is third in the league. The Ravens are fourth, 27.4 per game. And, you know, both in their own right have good defenses as well. You know, the 49ers allowed 29 points last week. Otherwise, I think they'd be a little – they might be first in, yeah, in points allowed. Yeah, they were first, right? So now the Ravens are first in points allowed per game with 16.1. And the 49ers are second, 16.7 uh, points per game allowed. So, And the Ravens have the second best red zone defense as well. That And that's been an area that the 49ers offense has been great at. So any which way like you look at this matchup, it's such a good head-to-head matchup against these two teams. Like we're so – I'm so excited. Like, this is a great test. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a great entertaining game. Uh, Are you kind of sensing a shootout or more of a defensive battle, given that both teams could, you know, win a game either way, honestly, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I don't, I think the Ravens are going to be able to move the ball primarily on the ground, but, but if they're having success on the ground, I think they're going to be able to use play action and things like that to be able to move the ball. I think it's going to be a who does better in the red zone type game. And I think the Niners offense is really going to have to, to carry it. And, and the other thing that makes you feel good is the Niners have the kind of offense where they don't necessarily need Kyle Shanahan to die, to get guys open 30 yards down the field. They have the kind of guys that can get open on a five yard pass, break three tackles on their own and bust big gains. And maybe you have to sort of rely on that a little bit more in this one. Cause that Ravens defense is really good. Jadevian Clowney is like having a friggin' career resurgence. Like that's not what we needed. We've seen Jadevian Clowney take over games against the 49ers. Maybe you recall that poor game against Joe Staley where Joe had like a broken finger or a broken hand or something. And in Joe's own words, he got his ass kicked that night and and Jadevian Clowney dominated. So I'm putting it on Brock. These are the games where you got to lean on your quarterback. And he has done nothing this year to show us that he's not capable of that. And so guess what? Let's go. I think so too. And, and I think, you know, teams are starting to figure that out. And I don't know if it's just trying to avoid the bulletin material when you're asked about an opposing team. I'd like to think it's not just that, like Kyle Hamilton had some great things to say about Brock Purdy and here's what he had to say. Um, I mean, the word around the league is he's a system quarterback and I just think that's, 
not true just from what I've seen. He's um, making every throw uh, that you can make as a quarterback. It's on time, on target, uh, makes good decisions. He's mobile, and um, he's got a great cast around him at the same time. But, uh, I mean, yeah, he's he's really good, and um, props to him for uh, his pretty cool story, what he's done now, and he's um, an MVP race. So uh, it's going to be a good challenge, but I'm excited to do it. And Kyle Hamilton is one of those guys on the Ravens defense that I'm, I don't want to say afraid of, but it's like, he's going to be a big test for this team. And as someone, I, I forget who pointed this out on Twitter. Um, like Kyle Shanahan likes to exploit weak linebackers and weak safeties in any matchup that he's in. Well, the Ravens have really good linebackers and they have really good safeties. Kyle Hamilton, one of those good safeties. So it, it's going to be a big test for Kyle, for Brock. I'm excited for it. It's going to be a great test. Mina Kimes said that if you had to basically pick a team to combat what the 49ers do on offense, it would be the Ravens, a team that can get pressure with their four defensive linemen, a team that has super athletic and versatile linebackers, and a team that has a freak at the safety position in Kyle Hamilton. So that's why I'm so excited about this matchup. I do think that, that Kyle Hamilton summed up Brock Purdy perfectly in four words. On time, on target. That's basically how you sum up Brock. Like, that's why he's so good and so effective. Uh, and it, look, it's it's going to be a real, real test. And I'm, I'm kind of excited that they're playing because if this is a Super Bowl matchup, I trust Kyle Shanahan to be able to learn things from this matchup and use it against the Ravens down the road if they were to play again. More than I trust Todd Monken, the Ravens offensive coordinator, or John Harbaugh. That's a that's a great point. I mean, and I know Lamar was asked about, you know, this being a potential Super Bowl matchup. And he's like, it it's December, like <laughs> nothing not in about February yet. But yeah, I, I think that's a that's a great point. And, you know, speaking of, of Kyle Hamilton, I got this chart up on safety separation prevented and the targets that they faced on the left here. You got the, the target percentage and uh, at the bottom percentile separation prevented so you can see Kyle Hamilton is one of the best after Grant Delpit of the Browns in preventing separation in his coverage and you know he does get targeted uh, a decent amount but just something to keep an eye on shout out to Sean Gibson uh, up here as well he has a high target percentage but as he as we know he's been pretty good for the 49ers so, yeah, the, I'm just excited for this matchup, what it can mean for this team in the future. Yeah, I, I do think the Ravens are well-equipped to stop this offense, what they do well. And on the other end, you know, I am cautious of what the Ravens could do on offense with Lamar. But, I, I like I said, I'm going to feel so much better if the 49ers come back with Armstead and Hargrave and, and our full squad at defense. I think it's going to be one of those games that we've seen the 49ers kind of take control of early. If that happens, this is going to be a game where forget the style points. Like a lot of the games with the 49ers, we're talking about style points. Did they, you know, was it close? How long was it close? When did they pull away? Nick Wright just said, Oh, the Niners played a mediocre game on Thanksgiving. And that's a game. They put up 30 plus points in like, don't worry about that with this game that no style points, just worry about getting the win. That is, that's what you have to, when you're playing a team as good as Baltimore, again, number one seed in the AFC, 
yeah, maybe the Ravens might score some points. I know we don't see it a lot. They might score yeah. three or four touchdowns in the game. Get over it. Just get over it. Just do enough to get the win. Yeah, and as Thomas points out in the comments, if the Rams were able to push the Ravens to the limit, they took them to OT. Shanahan should be able to find some openings. Yeah, I mean, same same offense. You know, McVeigh offense is slightly different because of the pieces that he has to work with. So they do things some things differently, but you know, same scheme and all that. So you would think there's some room for Kyle Shanahan to work with against this Ravens defense. And, you know, we're going to see that trust that Kyle has in Brock Purdy again as well. Yes, we are. And it's so refreshing. Uh, Somebody tweeted out, I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about like the difference. People have been talking about comparing Brock and Jimmy and their EPA and all this. And somebody was like, my favorite Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo stat is that when he drops back to pass and the ball leaves the screen, I'm no longer terrified of what might happen. That was Jordan who tweeted that. Jordan? Okay, Jordan Elliott. Yeah, Yeah, like, it's totally true. When he drops back to pass and he throws the ball, I'm like, oh, he's got something. Like, you just feel like something good is about to happen. And that's a new thing for us still. Right. Yeah. And but it's it's like one of those things that I think now we've come to expect. And but at the same time, I think we look back and we're like, wow, we didn't have this for so freaking long. Like we deserve this. Like how how long has it been even going back to Harbaugh years where we felt like the defense always carried this team? Like even then, even then. So now this is a a welcomed change for me and not even to say that the defense is like a scrub like the defense is still good too so this is still a balanced team and and that's what I'm most excited for they can put up points I think they can go up against anyone really and I'd feel confident about them being able to put up points I totally agree even with Kaepernick you know when he was doing amazing things it still felt hard and difficult it was choppy right there'd be a lot of incompletions on like first and second down and then maybe Kaepernick would make a laser throw or or scramble for a first down the Niners offense is machine-like man when they are rolling they don't even get to third down it's like five yard gain 12 yard gain eight yard gain they just roll down the field and steamroll people and that is a that's a rare thing for any offense and this offense seems to do it at times it it looks easy it does. It does. And I saw one of the tweets you put out yesterday that, you know, because Brock is making it look easy, like people think that what he's doing isn't worthy of, you know, praise or or just being recognized as something really good. Like Steve Ruiz, I think that's who you were quote tweeting on that one. Yes. Just has a crazy, crazy like agenda going on right now. Uh, anti-Brock agenda that's reached incredible levels of commitment and embarrassing levels of commitment quite frankly (laughs) it's like dude it's okay like it's okay to admit you were wrong on brock like we all were at one point or another you don't have to keep doing this it's all right two things one yes people think that just because brock isn't throwing the ball as hard as some other people that his throws are easy or that his throws are not tight window throws that is not true He is making tight window throws. Just watch the goddamn games. And the second thing, and I said this uh, with Levin, which our pod's going to drop a little later today. There are people, get ready for it, Steph, right now. 
if the 49ers lose on Monday, even if Brock plays well, get ready for the See, he can't beat a good team. See, Debo, CMC, and all those guys around him didn't have a perfect game. He can't do it. Like they are waiting in the weeds just to say that about Brock because they that's their initial opinion about him. And so it's going to be there every time he loses. The guy just has, he's only lost three games, I think, in his career with the 49ers. So they haven't been able to say it that much. But get ready because they're waiting. I don't want to get ready and I'm not going to get ready, Rob, because I think the 49ers are going to win this game. And I think Brock, you know, I don't know if Brock is going to set the world on fire come Monday, but I think he's going to have a solid enough game on top of this really good game he just had against the Arizona Cardinals that I think that's going to set his MVP, um, you know, in stone, basically what I think. It's it's going to have a huge effect on it one way or the other because narrative is absolutely part of it. If he's got the last game on Christmas Day against the number one seed in the AFC, if he goes and balls out, you may lock it up. Even if Dak ends up having a good game against the Dolphins, if Brock does that in prime time, that may be the that may put the nail in the MVP coffin. Oh, it will. It it will. I mean, he's already minus two hundred to to win Ooh. it, right? So he's already yeah, he's already the favorite, and so that'll just solidify it. I know the people who you know don't like Brock Purdy, who discredit him. It feels like there's a lot of them, or more of them than they are, just because they're so loud. Like we see their takes all the time, so we're mm-hmm. like, God, why do so many people hate Brock Purdy? But I actually feel like there's so many more people that are seeing what he's doing and actually are coming to the conclusion that he is good. And Vegas would agree with, with uh, saying he's minus 200 Vegas knows. So right. I listen to Vegas. They don't have all those fountains and hotels out there. Cause they get stuff wrong a lot. We'll say that. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So Rob, um, what is your score prediction for this game? Then I said, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. Maybe it was after the Philadelphia game. Like, I can't pick against the 49ers the rest of the way. Like, I just, even though I think it's going to be a hard game and I respect the Ravens and I think the Ravens are really good, the Niners have beaten six straight teams by 12 points or more. Like, in a league that's designed to create one-score games, the 49ers are not just winning every week. They are blowing teams out by multiple scores. That is not easy to do. This is an historically good 49ers team. So I'm going to take them to win. I'll say it's, ooh, I'll go 28-25 49ers. Ooh, all right. Yeah, people in the chat, let us know what you, you guys think. I see uh, Matthew says 24-17 Niners. That's a decent score. Uh, I'm going to go the offensive route. I'm going to go a little bit more of a shootout. Which which means it probably won't be, but I'm going to say a uh, 34 27. I just I I think that both of these offense or sorry both of these defenses can be scored on against you know good offenses, and I think both of these teams have really good offenses, so I think they're gonna they're gonna take the score up there. That yeah. would be 42 28. That would be awesome. I would sign for that. Um, but I just, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. I'm so, I'm nervous. Wow. Hind Man says 21 24 Ravens. Interesting. Okay. That's the first one I've seen of someone saying Ravens will win. 
I see the comment there from Scott Brown. Plot twist, both defenses ball out, and Money Moody saves the day. Nine to six. Nine to six would be crazy. That would actually be awesome. (laughs) Tucker, one of five this year on field goals of 50 yards or more. He's That would be like, okay, so just let's think about that, right? Niners play a close game. Jake Moody kicks the game-winning field goal at the end of the game to clinch the number one seed for the 49ers. Well, I, I guess, yeah, theoretically, that could happen if a bunch of other stuff happens. I mean, Moody only has, like, one field goal since, like, the end of November, and he made it last yeah. week. He hasn't yeah. exactly had a lot of work uh, in the field goal department. I think there are still some questions about him. You know, like, the only time we saw him in a must-make situation he peed down his leg. Now, maybe it was just it was his first one. He was a rookie. Who knows? But, you know, I wouldn't mind giving an opportunity to see him get some uh, kicks under his belt. I don't know why, but I kind of just feel like him not having to have a lot of field goals, but still going out there for like all these extra points. You know, he's still getting the experience. So as a kicker, you're gaining confidence still because you're going out there and you're making those kicks. Yes, it's just a PAT, but it's still going out there and making them. And I don't know. I feel like he's he's been gaining some confidence. And the fact that he hasn't had to go out there and deal with the stress is actually good because when he has to, and you know, we just saw this last game, he had to kick a field goal. It wasn't like a long one or anything, but I I feel like now he's probably like, I can do this because I've been doing it for weeks. Maybe settled in a little bit. He's 74 on all kicks this year. And I believe he's the only field goal kicker that's made more than 34 extra points that hasn't missed one yet. So, you know, that's good. Obviously. As Eric Eastland says, I think Ravens will force some field goals. That That's definitely fair to think because, like I said, the Ravens have the best red zone defense in the league. And if that be the case, you know, Jake Moody's perfect at Levi Stadium, is he not? Oh, uh, he yeah. missed in Minnesota. No, wasn't the Minnesota thing at home? Did they, did they play the oh, Vikings yeah, was at home this wait, year? Yeah. Wait, was it? He missed in Cleveland. No, no it, was, it wasn't. A, it, it was in Minnesota that game. Okay, so then, yeah, he would be perfect at home. Yay! Come on, Jake, get okay, it done. Yeah, I had to think about it, but I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. So, I mean, he's he's comfortable. He's comfortable at home, is what that tells me. So, if he has to make some field goals in this game, I'd I'd feel better about it. One more thing I noticed. Uh, speaking to Jake Moody, it was in Matt Barrow's column that the Niners intentionally kicked everything out of the end zone last week because they were worried about their shaky kickoff coverage because they've had some injuries that affect their special teams unit. Just do that from now until the heat death of the universe, please. Don't <laughs> let another team reach. It's not worth it, okay? This Niners yeah. team is so good. I feel like the only way, especially when they have a big lead, the only way you can let the other team back in the game is a big kick return for a touchdown or setting the other team up in good field position. Just kick the ball out of bounds every time. It's not worth trying to get cute and kicking it short of the goal line and seeing if you could tackle them before they get to the 25. It's dumb. Kick the ball out of the end zone every single time. That's why you drafted Jake Moody. Yeah, I mean, and and also, can we just fair catch like every... Yep. Every return, like, I don't care if uh, Ronnie Bell is fair catching at the one. We have an offense who can move the ball. We don't need you fumbling or near fumbling. 
we don't yep. need that kind of stress. I don't even care if they don't even put a punt returner back there. Eliminate the chance of a fumble altogether. Just don't have anybody back there. Rush the punter. <laughs> go for the block. I'm down with that because I agree. To the chance of taking the ball out of the hands of your offense is just too great. I I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, the the 49ers don't need to give the Ravens any like free opportunities. So let's let's not get any turnovers on special teams, right? Yeah, I I gave my yeah I gave my prediction thirty four twenty seven. Could go either way. Could be a shootout. Could be a defensive game. We'll just have to wait and see. But I'm excited nonetheless for this game. It's going to be awesome. And I hope the 49ers win because I can't afford for them to ruin my Christmas. All right. We <laughs> we we had a great Thanksgiving. Let's let's keep it going for the holidays. All right. Rob, uh, you have some recent great news about the Gold Standard Network. Why don't you tell us about that before we get out of here? Oh, thank you. Yes, we're very excited that we now have the gold standard hour on 95.7 The Game, the Bay Area's highest rated radio station. You can hear us from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time on Sunday morning. Oh, appreciate oh. that. Uh, you saw it's it's a new show. It's not a rebroadcast of a podcast. It's new original content. Uh, we're going to be on every week through at least the regular season. So we're super pumped about it. Please, if you're in the Bay Area or not in the Bay Area now, it's 2023. You don't need to be. Please listen. We would nope. greatly appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's awesome, Rob. Um, and happy to be part of Gold Standard Network with the Bully yeah. Ball Pod every Tuesday. Make sure you guys check that out. Make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Not just mine, but Rob's as well. Steph49K and then Gold Standard Network on youtube and wherever you guys get your podcasts thank you guys so much for tuning in with us today and keeping the live chat popping really appreciate you guys i hope all of you have a great holiday a great christmas um and enjoy that game and enjoy the hell out of that game and uh i'll be back tomorrow with the preview of the show uh but for now guys have a good rest of your thursday peace